Today we go to 1 Corinthians, to the third chapter. This is one of the letters of Paul. And Paul is completely frustrated with the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth is one of the first churches that Paul planted in this new thing called Christianity. This is an early church, but you have to understand that Corinth is a seaport. It is a city where people come together for trade. It is one of the most, most diverse cities in this ancient world, and it is also a city of hierarchy and elitism. However, the Corinthian church is called and compelled to reflect its community. So the Corinthian church is a church that is deeply diverse, especially in socioeconomics. The Corinthian church is unlike a lot of the new churches that were put together by people at this time because this church welcomed those who were in slavery as full members. And that really bothered some people. And so they're at a point now where there is tension and there is pulling because the Corinthian church really wants to be an exclusive and an elitist church. But it doesn't know how to navigate the relationship between slave and master when they are considered on the same playing field together. I like 1 Corinthians because we get to see that Paul is a very sarcastic leader. <laughs> He's full of sarcasm and full of irony, so you really have to have the background to understand what's going on here. Paul has written a letter of rebuke, a letter that says, get it together. Follow God or follow yourselves, but you can't do both. And he says it in ways and in terms that they will understand in their context and in their culture. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in the first verse. I'm reading from Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible called The Message. But for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well then, I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. 
As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast? Content only when everything's going your way? When one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, and another says, I'm for Apollos, aren't you being totally childish? Who do you think Paul is anyway? Or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us. Servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed. Apollos watered the plants. But God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which you are working. Or, to put it another way, you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus the Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, here we are to worship, here we are to bow down, here we are to say that you are indeed our worthy and our holy God. So Lord, fall fresh on us. Give us a fresh anointing, a fresh wind, and a fresh fire so that when we leave this place, we know that 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 we have been in your presence. And because we have been in your presence, oh God, we have been transformed and renewed and restored and are ready to go out and represent you. Now, Lord, hide this, your servant, behind that old rugged cross so that everything that is said and everything that is done comes straight from you, O oh God. This is your servant's prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Lots of people don't like 1 Corinthians. <laughs> And lots of people don't like 1 Corinthians because they don't understand it. They, they think they do, but they don't understand it. 1 Corinthians is like opening a letter from a mentor or a parent or a grandparent who says, I saw your bad behavior.
I know you can do better. So what's the problem? It's a letter to the church, not to individuals. We have many letters that were written to individuals on behalf of individuals, but 1 Corinthians was written to the church to help the church understand its role in building the community. Paul wanted to make sure that the church at Corinth understood that its primary role was to exist for those who are not yet a part of it. Did you know that the church is the only institution that exists for those who are not yet a part of it? That the church exists for the people who don't know Jesus. The church exists for people who don't know their way around the Bible. The church exists for people that don't understand that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And just like so many of our churches today... The Corinthian church was turning into a country club for the pristine, the elite, those who had it all together, those who could pay to play, those whose names were on the Sunday school classrooms and in the windows, those who thought that they were somebody in a town of everybody's. Paul says in a very sarcastic and ironic way, he's just finished telling them that if you can't be like Jesus, then you can't be a part of the church. He's just finished telling the people at Corinth that wisdom comes from knowing God. And a church needs wisdom in order to reach the people that it needs to reach. And then he says, you're all a bunch of babies. You can say ouch, it's okay. He says to them, you are all a bunch of babies and since you can't understand what I'm saying, I'm going to break it down for you so that infants can understand what's happening here. That's Paul, not Pastor Jasmine. He says, since you continue to do the same things over and over and over and over again, you continue to push people out instead of welcoming in. You continue to be mean to people who aren't like you. You continue to keep acting antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you continue to make this about you, 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 me, me, me. Let break it down so that nursery schoolers can understand it. Who is quiet in here today?
says, as long as you grab for what makes you feel good, or what makes you look important, and as long as you're only happy when things are going your way, then you don't quite get this Jesus thing. You see, the church at Corinth was taking sides. Apollos was a contemporary of Paul, and people were saying, ooh, I'm going to follow Paul because he's the original, and other people were saying, I'm going to follow Apollos because he's bright and shiny, very trendy, very cool, doesn't hold me accountable for my anti-Jesus behavior, so I'm going to line up with him. And Paul says, do you realize that there's no such thing as Paul's side and Apollo's side? Do you realize that the only side to be on is the side of Jesus the Christ? And if we're not on the side of Jesus the Christ, then we're not doing life the way it is intended. making me work hard today. He says we are merely servants. Servants whose job is to build. The only reason the church exists is to build up the community. And if we only build up the church or we only build up ourselves, we are out of order in calling ourselves the church. If we only care about what makes us comfortable, if we only care about the music that we like to sing, if we only care about the order of worship that we like, if we only care about the Sunday school class that we want to be in, if we only care about our stuff, we are not being the church. And if we are not being the church, what's the point? That means we're being terrible stewards of what God has given unto us. In the movie Ted Lasso, the movie, in the TV series Ted Lasso, you know by now that Coach Lasso crosses the ocean over into England and he coaches a soccer team having never coached soccer in his life. And what he cares about, he says, is building up the people. It makes people really irritated that he says, I don't care about how many wins we have in the column. What I care about is if these young men on this team and all the people who come in contact with us, if they are being built up, if their lives are better, if they experience abundant life in a way that they've never experienced abundant life, then I will know that I'm doing my job. 
He's building the community. And in building the community, he literally transforms the lives of every single person who comes in contact with him. Even those who have purposed in their hearts to hate him. Ted and his coach, Ted Lasso, and his, his boss, Rebecca, they go to the neighborhood bar one afternoon to meet some investors in the team, only to find out that these investors <laughs> are not who they thought they were. These investors are Rebecca's ex-husband, Rupert, and his new wife, New Rebecca. Old Rebecca, boss Rebecca, is incensed. She is losing her mind. She cannot handle it. And then Coach Lasso steps in and helps to build the community through a game of darts. If we're gonna be about building the community, then we have to be curious and not judgmental. So many of our churches are at a place of disunity and exclusion because we're not curious. Because we think that we have it all together, because we think that we know best, that because our idea of Jesus is the real Jesus, and we haven't quite stopped long enough to dig deep in the scriptures and understand that Jesus is not like Jesus is depicted in our hallways here with blue eyes and blonde hair, but Jesus is indeed a Mediterranean man with dark skin who turned the tables over in the temple because the church people were out of line. In order to build community, we have to be totally and fully committed to unity and to inclusion. Now, I need you to understand, unity is not the same as what? You've heard me say this before. Nobody remembers. Unity is not the same as uniformity. We don't have to all be the same. We don't have to all think the same. We don't have to all do the same in order to be a unified body of Christ. I mean, if my nose did the same thing as my toes, we'd have some problems. But when my nose works together with my toes, then maybe I won't step in the stink that my neighbor left because they didn't clean up after their dog. (laughs) 
It is God who makes things grow. But I did my part. I planted the seed and Apollos watered the plants. But God made it grow. If we're going to build a community, we have to work for unity and inclusion. We have to seek understanding, being curious, but not judgmental. How many of you learned new things about Stephen Colley this week on our social media posts? Stephen's a third generation in this church and you're learning new things because we're not curious. We don't ask questions. We just say, hey, bye and keep it moving. How are we to build community if we're not curious about God's people? I bet we could really change some things in this world if instead of getting angry with somebody because they did something, we said, now help me understand. Why did you choose to do that? And maybe, just maybe, they might say, well, that's the way my family did it, or I was having a really bad day, or that's all I know how to do. To build, we have to work for unity and inclusion. We have to be curious and not judgmental. The things that I love about Jesus most is that Jesus was always on the side of the dis disadvantaged. The biblical Jesus was always on the side of the poor, the rejected, the brokenhearted, the used and abused, the less than, the underdog. He opposed any policy that did harm or oppressed anybody. And if we are going to be like Jesus, that has to be our way, our orientation of being in the world too. If Jesus is our foundation, then there are just some things that we can't do. There are just some things that we can't say. See this little piece? It doesn't fit on top of the curved part. But it does fit if we get it in the right place on the foundation. Build together. Build community. Work for unity and inclusion. Seek understanding by being curious and not judgmental. And finally, if we're gonna be the church, remembering that the one and only foundation is Jesus the Christ, then when we have done wrong, or when we have caused harm, whether purposefully or unpurposefully, we must apologize and forgive.
Ted has been nothing but kind, nice, generous, accommodating, showing all the fruit of the Spirit to Rebecca. And Rebecca has been conniving and backstabbing. And her friend Keely says, it's time to grow up. Grow up, take responsibility for what you did, say I'm sorry, so that this community can build together. Let's watch this. Build together. Say I'm sorry. Mean it. <laughs> Work for the community and shock people with your behavior, your ability to forgive. This foundation of Jesus Christ requires that we do what is best for the community, not what's best for us, but what is best for the entire community. And it's going to take all of us together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.